0: Hello and welcome back to the Final Whistle podcast. This week we're bringing you another My Story episode. As always, I'm joined by the excellent Daniel Fears. How's, how's it going, Dan? I'm
1: good, thank you. How are
0: you? I'm very good, thank you. Now, in today's episode, we'll get to hear footballing stories from a man who's been at his current club for nine years. He's League Two's answer to Manuel Neuer. It's none other than Grooms Town number one goalkeeper and club captain James McEwen. Thank you for coming on. How are you, James? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So when did you um, realise that you were going to become a um, footballer? Uh, I'm not sure I realised yet, to be honest. um, I don't know, I got like, I was playing outfield. I was a striker, I was at Coventry um, when I was about 11 and I asked if I could play in goal, but they said said I could, but I'd have to almost have a trial again and I was rubbish. So they let me go. Then a couple of years, just playing local football and then got picked up by Warsaw at 14, 15. So, probably quite late, really, in terms of moving into goalkeeping. And then, even then, I wouldn't say it's probably until... I remember when I got got told I was going to get my YT. I think that was probably the time that I thought, I've got half a chance here. But I, I say, it's strange. Now I'm older, when I look back and I think, Jesus, that wasn't even the, the hard bit. At the time, it feels like that's the hardest bit, getting that first contract in professional football. But then I, tell, I try and tell the young lads here, it's, it's probably your first year as a pro footballer that's the hardest because, especially at our level, I think people, like, you know, you're expected to be able to be ready for the first team. We haven't got like an under-23 squad. Uh, where you can carry loads of players and you can give them a three, four-year contract to let them develop physically and all that sort of thing. So, um, I think I think the first few years in the game are actually the hardest. And then once you can build up a bit of a reputation and get games behind you, it becomes a bit easier. So, I wouldn't say it's probably until I was about 21, 22 that I thought, you know, I've got half a chance maybe of making a,
0: a job out of this. And I'm literally trying to cling on to that now I'm 30. So, who were your... When you were growing up, did you have any footballing idols that you looked up to? Peter Schmeichel was the one for me. Like I was, they were the the first, Man
1: United were the first team that I went to watch live. So um, that probably helped. But I just, and even now, even now I look at him and like look back at him and sometimes you remember things differently over time, but he's still exactly the way I remember him. Like he just had his own style, his own uniqueness. Um, and he's just he's bravery and will to keep the ball out of the net. Uh, so yeah, 100% him growing up without a shadow of a doubt. And then probably changed a little bit now. Now I'm older, probably maybe even different sports where different sportsmen that I look up to and admire. Um, and obviously some some goalies still now, but I'm definitely Peter Schmeichel. Growing up was the one for me.
0: So, yeah, obviously, um, you said you're at the academy at Coventry, and you moved into. And you asked to go into the goalkeeper position. Why did you want to swap from playing outfield? I think it was as, as a striker, if if we've done our research right. Yeah. Of why did you want to to move into the goalkeeping position?
1: I enjoyed saving penalties. I was, I was I look back and I think I must have been okay to to be signed. Obviously at Coventry, I'd have been on trial at Villa as a striker, so I was okay. Like whether I'd have made it or not, I, I doubt it because of pretty slow, very slow. Um, but I, I used to, I had a little habit of scoring goals, but I just, there was always just something about being a goalkeeper. My my dad and my brothers, we used to play, put um, up on like just a an ordinary council estate. And at the back of our house was some garages, like with concrete floors, obviously a concrete floor. And I used to dive on that, and I would never think anything of it. I mean, no, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> you do well to get me to dive on Ast- on AstroTurf now. Um, but yeah, I like it. Never bothered me. Like I'd chuck myself around. I'd, I'd properly dive. I'd cut myself. Um, I, I don't know if sometimes I think it has to be in you a little bit to be a goalkeeper. There has to be, you know, everyone can sort of maybe put a pair of gloves on and do okay. But that for me, I enjoy the rawness of the position. I enjoy like. For everything that's gone on maybe in the last couple of years where the game change and develops and I think it's actually shifting back a bit now but looking for goalies who play up in the back and all this sort of thing when it comes down to it and I look at David De Gea obviously in the FA Cup semi-final it's all about keeping the ball out of the net like that that is what it's about you can you can look the part, you can do all the other things, but it's all about just that will to want to keep the ball out of the net and I've, I've always enjoyed that and I've always enjoyed the loneliness of the position. I wouldn't say I'm the most sociable person in the world, um, my wife my wife wouldn't, I know that. So I've enjoyed, I've always enjoyed that aspect, like they, they zoomed in on De Gea's face on Sunday and I thought, and they were like, oh, who'd be a goalkeeper and I I don't know, I think if you ask goalies, I think you almost enjoy that. You don't enjoy standing there when you know you've cost your team a game, but you enjoy the responsibility of, you know, no one can really, you are on your own a little bit. So I've always quite enjoyed that as well.
0: So um, Dean Henderson arrived at um, Grimsby for a bit. Did he, um, how was it working with him? Because he could potentially
1: be England's new number one choice goalie now. Yeah it's top of my CV that I kept him out of the team and I'm sticking to it he's staying on top of my CV that um listen I, he came I've never come across anyone with so much self belief and confidence um but the one thing I would say and I think everyone would say the same thing about him he backs it up you know he he definitely I wish I wish I had half of his confidence um because it's unbelievable and and maybe maybe that's what's going to take him there because you know, I think he's probably, realistically, he's going to play for England at some point, definitely. Um, and he's, he's done really well. I think he's made good career choices. He's gone to good clubs at the right times. And it was strange because, like, I was obviously been here a while. I was number one. He came in. He didn't play for four or five months. Uh, changed managers and he still didn't play. And I think his loan had six days left. And then the manager played him. And he he done really well. Uh, and you know, I'd known for four or five months that how good he was, and it was probably the most pressure I'd been under in my career. Um, and uh, you know, it's strange, and uh, you know, whether he'd say it or not, because like I say, he's the most confident lad going. I think we probably learned a lot from each other, um, like even me as an older goalie and him as a younger goalie. The one thing I think I've always had, and the one thing I always try and go back to is you know i'm not i'm not the best goalie in the world and I'm, I'm you know many flaws but i always think the one thing i can control is working hard i think i can always try and work harder than everybody else and mm. he had the sim, the same work ethic you know i i think i work quite hard on the training ground uh try and work hard off the pitch and he was exactly the same um and i i, I think that's you know if you if, coupled with the natural ability he's got. That's probably what's going to take him, take him all the way. So he's, he's earned it. He's earned it by, like I say, working hard. And I think that as a goalkeeper, because when it does go wrong, and it will go wrong, you have to be able to get back on the training ground and work hard. It just doesn't come naturally. So he's, he's, earned, he's earned what he's hopefully going to get.
0: So you've also
1: represented Republic of Ireland at under-19 level. What was it like representing your country? Uh yeah, I, it, it's obviously maybe, maybe, obviously other than getting promoted, I'd say with Grimsby, it's up there with like the, the proudest things that I've ever done. I think, and I, I didn't appreciate it at all at the time. Um, I think I got called up when I was under the 17s and was in in the squad then for the next few years. I was in the squads at under 21s, but I, I just didn't appreciate it at all. Uh, like I look back now, I, mem- I remember the first time I played the national anthem playing. Thinking, Jesus, like what what's going on here? Like I can't be playing international football. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, you know, like for my granddad, because my granddad's he's the one that was Irish. Um, you know, to to feel like I was representing him as well. Uh, it was just you know I wish I wish that I could have made more of it, if that makes sense. And you know, and it, it's strange because obviously playing for playing for the Republic of Ireland, and you see lads that maybe not so much at our level, but certainly League One players in the squads and that and getting chances. It's still something that I'd love to, to maybe get to. Um, it obviously gets harder as you get older. Uh, but, it, you know, just being a part of it was, was incredible and totally different to what I was ever used to. Uh, it, it's a totally different way. That, that when you go there, they, just, they want you ready for their games, whereas when you're in day-to-day football at your club, they're looking, obviously, long term. They're looking at improving you and all that sort of thing. When, when you're away with, when I was away with Ireland, it was just, let's make sure these players are ready for the game. That that was it. It was, you know, you, you wouldn't train much. You know, you wouldn't do much. But it was an unbelievable experience. And I, I got to play with some, obviously I didn't know at the time, but some very, very good players.
0: Now, of course, over lockdown, there's been no football or, you know, training for you. How did you... How well did you adapt from being obviously a commanding goalkeeper to a stay-at-home teacher for your family? Did you, did you take up that job role? Uh, I'm
1: not sure I've done a great job. The kids probably wouldn't agree. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm not the most sociable person in the world. So it probably helped me a little bit. Um, I've got an excuse not to see anyone. I, uh, I, think, I think initially as a family, we, we really enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, the longer it's gone on, uh, you know what I find the hardest I think is you watch other players going back players of leagues above and leagues below and that's like a frustration it's like why aren't we doing it if they can do it why aren't we doing it um so it's been it's been tough training's been tough the young goalie here Ollie battersby um who we used to coach who's now nineteen I think uh we've done fair bits of training uh with a, a another young lad called Deck uh who's in the academy here. So done like bits of goalie training now. Uh I've done a lot of running, far too much running than I ever should do. Cause I just feel like that's that fills a bit of time. But um yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been strange. I'm ready to go back now. I think everyone's ready to go back. Uh but you know if I'm totally honest when I watch the football on tele, I find it hard to watch a full game because it's not the same for me without fans. And I feel the same when I play, you know, pre-season games, reserve games, no matter what people ever say to you and whatever people come out and say, and we're taking it properly and all that, the pressure and the ability to perform under pressure is what the fans bring. And that's what brings out the best in footballers in general, because that's, that is the thing to be able to go out and perform to the same level in front of 6,000 people or 30,000 people. That's, that's I enjoy that part like I was saying earlier about being a goalkeeper that loneliness if you like I enjoy that I enjoy everyone knowing that it could be me at fault or whatever so it, it's just not the same for me about fans fans bring that passion they bring the atmosphere they're the ones that drive you when you when you're 2-0 down or you're one nil down so it's hard like and, and fair play to all the players that have you know, performed at the levels they've performed at because it is tough without fans. You see people getting promoted at Wembley and it must be horrible. It's, it's lovely to get promoted, don't be wrong, but you want to share it with people, your family, your friends and the fans. So I'm looking forward to going back, but I I, I you know the sooner fans are back for me the better because then then it will be back to normal. So um your biggest achievement was probably getting promotion. What was that uh, like? <sighs> um was unbelievable. Like I think, you know, it's pretty com- it's strange. Like again, maybe it's something I look back on in, in a few years' time and it, I I've always felt that Grimsby's a a unbelievably well supported club and I, I probably a lot of that comes from the days in the championship, which feels a long time ago for the fans I'd imagine. But you know, it's not a lifetime ago and I think there's that expectation here to always do well. So, to find us in the conference, you know, was tough for them. But you've got conference players and that sometimes, you know, look at Notts County there at the minute. Wrexham have been down there for years. Big, good clubs. But you find yourself with conference players. You might get a League Two player because you can attract them because you're a big club with a good fan base. But in general, you've got conference players. And, you know, we had so many setbacks and so much expectation, uh, losing the playoff final losing the semi-final when it was my fault the year before that um you know to lose three on the spin and keep coming back just the emotion the relief of getting promoted that day will live with me forever um like you you carry snippets with you like i remember walking down the stairs and seeing my family after uh and I, i did i like i'm not an emotional person in the slightest and i shed a tear and Remember the gaffer coming down? I was like, "What are you crying for, you big softer? But not, not in as nicer words as that. Um, so yeah, like absolutely unbelievable. Like the feeling that night we went out in Grimsby, um, from what I can remember, was incredible. And just share, like I say, that's that's the thing. Like we went out in Grimsby, got back on the coach, and you're sharing it with people in this town that actually care the same as you. You know, I think maybe at the top level, sometimes that can get lost a little bit, I don't know, but you know at our level it's it was a proper community, it was a proper town thing as well. so I'll yeah, absolutely it changed my life, you know, it allowed us to let me to become a football league player again, uh, which was something that I've you know I've tried really hard to achieve. us as a football club, a huge difference to the town, a difference to my family. We bought a house, and yeah, so massive, absolutely massive.
0: Now, you've been at Grimsby since 2011. Is it, as you said, they're the fans? What is it about the club that's made you stay for nine years? Um, no one else wanted me. <laughs> no, no.
1: Um, yeah, listen, like I say, it's really difficult to comprehend. And like I, I didn't have a class signed here on a year's contract. So I thought, just go get some games and I'll get my move to the big time. But obviously, your career, your career pans out differently and each contract that's come up and change of managers now, I've been through quite a few, I think maybe five, six managers since I've been here um, and I think you know, to, for a manager to keep wanting you is a big thing because it's easy for a new manager to come in and move you on or competition, so you know, there's always been that challenge to try and prove myself uh, I would never rest on my laurel, so I've, I've always had that to push me, but I would say that, like I say for a club at our level, we are Unbelievably well supported. Anyone who's seen us especially at an away date is something else. It's unbelievable. So um you know, we've obviously got a family here now, we've got kids in school. So that that makes a big difference to us. We're we're settled here, we're happy here. It's a it's a great place to bring up your kids. So yeah, I you know, I I, I don't see myself moving until someone moves me. But you ne you never know in football. You don't you don't know what's right in the corner. Um If I come back and my first three games are rubbish, the fans will want me out and will want a new goalie. So I do, I do, I do fully aware that we're all disposable and we're only a couple of games away from getting dropped. And I suppose that maybe
0: drives you on to keep performing week in, week out. Now, your current manager is Ian Holloway. He's a a well-renowned football manager in England. What's it like to work under him in his unique personality?
1: (laughs) You've said it (laughs) is unique. Um, Unbelievable experience. Like, obviously, I get to, you know, would I, would I stay in the game? Would I have a crack at management, maybe? Uh, so, to be able to learn off him he's um, such a, a great opportunity. Um, brought things that I've never seen before. First, first time we met him, he came in the changing room before the game and he went around and shook everyone's hand while he was talking. I had not seen that before. Normally, a manager, when he comes in, would get all the players in a room and address them as a group. And then you might paths might cross over the week leading up to the game or something. Um, so, it was, it was a really, I know it's only a small thing, but that's just an example of, of something. Um, he's he's a lot more hands-on, I, I think, than what people would say, he, like in terms of his coaching. He likes to coach, uh, I think, a, a lot more than what people would imagine. Uh, so, it's, it's, it's a great experience. Obviously, we seem to be picking up as well under him. It obviously got caught short, which was a shame. Um, so, like I say, I mean, moving forward, I think for the club, it's great for the profile of the club. But hopefully, like I say, you can you can maybe attract a few League One-based players who are slightly maybe better than this league, and they're the ones that that can help to drive you towards promotion. Because I think we're probably all <laughs> as silly as it is now. We're in League Two, probably a bit sick of League Two now, and we want to be
0: trying to push up to get promoted now some less serious questions now so we had tom white from sky on a few weeks ago and he uh, told us after the recording about an interesting story about a game you played in in august 2018 versus mansfield <laughs> when a goose landed on the pitch was this the craziest thing of that you ever seen in the game of football and what were you thinking when it just landed on the pitch
1: it, it was bizarre. I'm trying. I can't think of it. I, I can't think of anything else as bizarre as that. We might have had a dog on the pitch once, though, in the conference. That's coming back to me. I can't remember where. I'm sure a dog got on the pitch somewhere. Um, but yeah, it was it was weird because it was like, where's it come from? I had no idea where it had come from. Um, <laughs> it's one, like it's 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 strange. Like it's the same when the flares come on the pitch now sometimes, and you go to pick them up just to get it off the pitch the stewards are quicker telling you not to do it than if a fan gets on the pitch. They're like, no, no, don't touch it. So you should sort of wait. We definitely had a dog on the pitch. A hundred percent in the conference we had a dog on the pitch. I can't remember where, but I remember thinking, oh, I'm not trying to catch up because that will get away from me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember I've, I've been watching videos of it and I'm just writing um, questions down. And of course I've been to a, it was a Lee, I think it was a Forest Green match uh, recently and I think the fans are definitely, it's a much more involved with the lower leagues because you're close to the pitch. And I could see in these videos, the chance of watching the stewards chase this goose around the pitch. It's <laughs> just thinking you wouldn't get this you, higher up. No, I mean, this is the thing, like, it depends what you I mean, I watch Premier
1: League football, like, like I'm sure most people are doing. it's The quality, it's great to watch the way it's filmed, everything like that, the speed of the game, but. There is a like again. There's a uniqueness about the lower. Like, I like, I enjoy playing in the conference. You know, I, I, I wanted to be high. You always want to push yourself, but it's an unbelievable experience. Like you say, the interaction with the fans. You know, they are. You hear every single word that's said to you. People always ask what it's like to play at Wembley, and there was there was a lot there when we played Bristol Rovers, and you don't hear anything almost. It just becomes like a a, a background noise. Whereas you play in front of a thousand people at altering them away you can hear what every single person's saying to you so um yeah it has its good and bad points depending on how you're playing
0: so what do you make of your um fifa rating of 66
1: i'd tell you that i think was that was that was that one of the highest ones you're the i looked before
0: you the highest in the squad
1: yeah i'll snap your hand off for that i'll be delighted <laughs> with that um yeah, I, I've tried to get the kids into it, but I've got three girls, so it's um, it's even, it's there's no chance to be honest. They're, they're into Roblox, so uh, no, I'm I'm delighted with 66. I'll take that definitely. Have you used to a card? No, no, I haven't. No, I um, I've been trying. I've been waiting to get a picture of one of them plaques. You know, when you get told to up your team of the week one, yeah. but I've not managed <laughs> to get one yet.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today, James. It's been brilliant having you on and hearing all about your career. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this My Story episode. It's goodbye from me.
1: Goodbye from me.
0: Thank you very much. That was the final whistle.